It's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got an opinion? Make your voice heard on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000. Sound off on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. You know me pretty well. I'm a pretty easy and simple guy and don't need a lot. And truly, after my first month on the job here, month and a half, I go home, and this is in my book, I go home in my back to Gainesville. To, I land in Jacksonville for the Christmas break because, you know, it's a dead period in recruiting. And I went back to settle my affairs, selling my house and see Carol and Mackie. My baby was, Mackie was only a year old and and my car dealer picked me up at the airport, and we're driving back to Gainesville. And I said, Rick, I think I've ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he started laughing at me. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, I don't know what I got into. I go, this is crazy. You know, all the everything that's coming at you left and right. And, and you have to think of what the state of affairs were here at the time. It wasn't very good. Afraid, you know, maybe this wasn't right for me or we're never going to be able to turn it around you know you know how it is in the first month sure. i was i was just overwhelmed a year or two later he was at the national championship game with me rick rundle <laughs> is my car dealer good buddy he goes i guess you didn't ruin your life huh? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. oh good stuff there from uh from coach stoops talking about just the uh, the difficulties whenever you get rolling, man. All the stuff coming in on you, and um, you know, being able to to like settle in is not easy. Um, gosh, no, I mean, in the way that he talks about what he inherited from OU, it's like, dang, because he had to recruit his staff. Yeah, that's like he, he, said he I mean, that, he, right thing. there, he's second guessing himself after the first month and a half or so, or however long it said in there. Um, but then he had to re-recruit his staff. Like, his staff thought the same thing. It's kind of miraculous when you hear him talking about that, not only how they won the national championship in 2000, right. but how they won seven games in the first year in 1999. And I know it's been talked about at nauseum over the years, whatever, but we can compare this to the Brent Venable situation. How did they inherit the mess they inherited? The facilities, the players here didn't have a lot of confidence. Like, what was the key reason they were able to turn it around in in such a quick fashion, such a quick manner? Well, um, Venables has said this multiple times since. Whenever he, since he, since he's taken over as head coach, he's talked about like that time whenever they first showed up, and he has said routinely like the group of guys that were there were. Tired of losing, tired of being made fun of, tired of, you know, just being looked down upon by really everyone, fans, uh, opponents. And whenever they came in, which they they had some some stuff they had to clear out, there's no doubt, but like the core of guys that they finally went to battle with in 99 and some of those same guys were able to stay uh, had had eligibility for two thousand and and beyond. 
Like those guys, they did everything the strength staff, everything the coaching staff asked of them. Now, that doesn't mean it was easy. It was it was still tough. It was hard. It was brutal. But those guys um, never flinched and, and kept going out there and were willing to, to, you know, to do everything that was asked of them to get those type of results. So I guess the million-dollar question is, do they have, like, that level of player, like, that level of commitment on campus right now? Now, by all reports, Brent Venables, and I, I think that he would – I don't think he'd come out and say that he's getting no buy-in. I just don't think he would talk about it as much if it wasn't there. It sounds like the buy-in is there, but do they have like that level of determination that that crew did? They have more talent. I mean, like surely, right? The facilities are clearly better. The situation is way better than it was in the late stages of 1998. But do they do they have that on the roster right now? That's probably going to determine how quickly this thing comes together. Yeah, I I think they do, but you know, I I don't think it's all going to come together overnight regardless. Um you know, I think there's going to be cuz I I think there's there's more uh, it's more difficult to win a national championship now than it was in 2000. There's no doubt about that. So, like you you can get hot and and like Oklahoma's going to be talented enough to where like they can compete, but they no doubt they would be going into the semifinal this year. Uh, if if you're talking Ohio State, uh, Alabama, Clemson, maybe Georgia's third, one of those teams. Third at best, most likely fourth, most talented. Talent wise, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll be number four on that list. You know, so like that's that's hard to overcome. You may be able to overcome it for one game, but for two. Really, really, really difficult. So, but I, I still believe totally that they're going to get there, and I still believe that they're going to add a couple more guys in the transfer portal coming up soon. Yeah, we had a text earlier in the show saying, "Well, since the buy-in is so high and the excitement is so high, is there a chance that maybe no one transfers out after spring ball?" And said no on that. I mean. You can still be bought in, and you can still be excited about the program, but for a lot of these guys, I mean, the writing's going to be on the wall, especially towards the tail end of spring, that, well, this is awesome. I want to be a part of this, but if I really want to play college football somewhere, it's going to have to be somewhere different than OU. So that's just the way college football is right now. Everyone's going to have transfers. Heck, Georgia just won a national championship. They've had 10 transfers since the since uh, the national championship game. Yeah. It's it's just it's going to happen it's everywhere gonna happen. you included. And it and it, it it doesn't mean that whoever transfers out was a problem. Doesn't mean that and it doesn't mean that whoever transfers in did it for NIL money or you know like there's there's several different things going on here, and I think it's just something that's going to be inherent. And like you had this type of uh, stuff going on even before you had the the transfer portal, even a thing to where you had immediate eligibility. You had guys that were going to be leaving the program for for whatever reason. So I think it's going to happen. Oh, you snuck up on all their opponents in 2000, winning as many games as they have since they aren't sneaking up on anyone now. So very different scenarios in my book. Yeah, that's true. Well, the, well, there's no doubt the scenarios are <laughs> Though I'll say this, different. the preseason ranking for both teams, the way the national media talks about this squad might be about the same. 
well, the preseason yeah. ranking of 2000 and this we, year. We saw some of the way too early rankings had had them like around the number seriously, or like well, twenty. Some or of so. them didn't even have them ranked. That's right. That's right. Um, but like I said before, those are all uh, attention grabbers, and whenever the oh, real rankings come out right before, they're gonna Oklahoma's gonna be much higher higher rated. Um, but the scenarios between then and now are definitely different. But here's the thing that is exciting. OU is in a much better, and we've heard Coach Stoops say this a hundred times, much better position now than whenever he took over. And I, the ceiling is extraordinarily high with with all the stuff that Brent Venables have, is implementing. And I don't know. It, I'm Like I've said routinely, I'm of the belief that it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen fairly soon. Um, this team is going to start playing, acting. Like, everything. It's just going to be a totally different product. Uh, text line asked if you'd rather win a national championship in the Big 12 or a national championship. Wait two years for the Natty. But wait two years and it happens while you're in the SEC. I say let it happen now while you're in the Big 12. Well, it's going to be easier to win it now in the Big 12. Well, your path is going to be easier. I don't know that, you know, when it come, push comes to shove there in the, in the final two games in the semifinal and championship, it's not going to be any different. But, like, your path there, you, you should be able to navigate the road and have a larger margin for error of getting there through the Big 12. But, you know, I, it would be awesome to go to the SEC and win one, like, first year or two that you're there. Yeah. That would be Oh, uh, they, awesome. they wouldn't know what to do. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel like the SEC would try to take credit for that, right? Yeah, oh, they would. So maybe it'd be I better. I was just thinking, like how they would see, they would, they would totally adopt. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you see what happens member. as OU they come to the member. SEC. Yeah, it's it's one of two ways, and this is annoying, but it's what you got to deal with. It's almost the initiation phase. If you go in there and you struggle, it's yeah. See, told you the SEC meant more. It was tough. But if you go in there and win right away, it's they take credit for elevating your program. Yeah. No. Oh, well. God. Yes. They may even, like, if you won it in the Big 12, they may even take credit saying that, well, since you're coming to the SEC, look how much, since you announced you're coming to the SEC, look at how much uh, good things have changed for you. Peyton says also, just think about the fact that in their first or second recruiting class, they had a Heisman winner from Tuttle, Oklahoma. One could argue that Jay White coming through Tuttle helped cement OU in uh, aughts in the future, I guess is what it means. Now, say that again? Basically saying that it really helped that there was a Heisman winner up the street in Tulsa or in, in, Tuttle. in uh, Tuttle that that helped kind of cement your program past that 2000 national championship game. Well, it says Jay White coming through Tuttle. Like, was he from somewhere else or something? Like, no, I just think making the point that from a small town close to Norman that you know there's not a lot of small town kids that ended up being a, a Jason White is what it's saying. Yeah, well, that was their first recruiting class. Uh, Jay White's one of the first guys that Bob Stoops went and saw. Uh, what he was thinking about very seriously going to Miami. Yeah, he was. Jason was, uh, 
and stayed close to home. Gosh, in their in their first first recruiting class, they had uh, a Heisman Trophy winner. Dude, their first two recruiting classes are just packed full of award winners, all Americans. It's it's crazy and not very many highly rated guys um, as far as. Uh, recruiting rankings, but there were some in there. I'm not saying that they had it easy at all. I mean, they had it really difficult, the situation they walked into. But in one instance, they were at least a little bit fortunate that all they had to worry about recruiting-wise is recruiting incoming guys, that they didn't have to worry about recruiting Torrance Marshall and recruiting Roy Williams because that's that's the difference between this era taking a job and that era is – Maybe your most important recruiting battles are keeping you know those current guys on campus. But here's the thing. Now remember, Trent Smith talks about this. They whenever Blake got fired, there was like a big meeting team team meeting where a lot of guys were considering transferring out or leaving. Um, a lot of big name guys, and they had that that little um you know get together i think it was over in the bud dorm and they decided to see it all see it through and and see what was was going to happen and that was kind of a big thing so like that that little team meeting there uh turned out to be very important for the future of the program sounds like everyone that was in the program the first four to five years had that meeting whether it was an entire team or a small group of people I believe uh you yourself even had one of those uh, small meetings deciding if you're gonna stick it out or not. oh are you kidding me absolutely uh our first training camp my freshman year it was so it was so brutal. I, every day was an absolute freaking nightmare, and it was it was everything I had. We had like one day I would be talking uh, Dan Cody off the ledge. The next day he'd be talk, talking me off the ledge. Yeah, everyone was like, "Dude, this is um, what I'm out of here." <laughs> but everyone. Most guys ended up sticking around, and it was a good thing. Yeah, it helped cement that for sure, but it sounds like there's a uh, lot of guys that ended up winning awards that were <laughs> really close multiple times, especially their freshman year, saying, yeah, this is just isn't for me. No, thank you. Oh, it was – No, thank you. It was – as far as sports are concerned – it was hell on earth, in my opinion. <laughs> it's great. Hey, that's that's a great thing though about the season rolling around. The season's easy at that time. It's like, wait, all, all we got to do is like play games now for the most part. Okay. Uh, all I got to do is get screamed at and called uh, absolute trash one time a day instead of two times yeah. a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty percent better. Fall's your favorite season. <laughs> all right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. Your statewide home for Sooner fans is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Fourteen hundred AM and ninety nine point three FM in Norman. Ninety four point seven FM in Oklahoma City. Fourteen thirty AM in Tulsa and ninety seven point three FM in Weatherford. Make the right call for OU coverage in the Sooner State. 
Jones um, has made a, a trademark of, that, that of his defense doing that. And so um, when you do that, though, you've got to learn how to adjust to a lot of different looks because that's going to be the answer. Uh, I think the, the guys are excited. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting sacks, we're getting stops, we're getting turnovers. It's just for us, um, just the little things, you know, just, just seeing the, the, the little nuances, the little motions, and, you know, whatever it is that's a little bit off and continuing to adjust to those things. Um, but right now they're, they're excited, man. They're, they're in there, you know, uh, during the day on their own, you know, watching film, watching practice, um, trying to get better, trying to learn the defense. And uh, I'm telling you, one day they'll wake up and it'll be like they've done it their whole lives. And, and when that happens, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the group is, is a really good group of guys. And so the, the one thing they lack is the one thing that they're going to build, and that's experience in the system. Um, you know, I've been, you know, I've been some places where you, you know, you got you got to worry about culture, you got to worry about you know, this. Or that. That, that's not the issue. It's just it's just a matter of time for those guys um, get it figured out. And when they do, it's going to be it's going to be really neat to watch and play. Safety's coach Brandon Hall. He's another guy not worried about the buy-in or the culture. It's just a uh, matter of time. Seems like everyone is echoing that right now, whether it be coaches or players and. I, I guess we're all inclined to believe it, correct? Before we move on, uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I I don't, you know, I I think the defense is. I think it's going to be aggressive. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think if I would necessarily classify it as that. I guess it all depends. You know, it, it's hard to just say that you have an aggressive defense. Now, because like, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean that you blitz a lot? Um, I would say that most people quantify aggressive as to how much you blitz. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how much they're going to blitz. Like, maybe it's a lot. Well, the, the, I, the goal is to, to where you don't have to to get pressure every single down. That's the, right. That's, that's the goal. Right. Um. I don't know. I think that they're going to be hopefully way better. I know they're going to be way better in underneath zone coverage with the backers. Um, hopefully they get uh, good corner play. Now, Venables has typically been heavy zone guy. Um, you know, we've been, over the last couple of years, this last staff and even Mike Stoops last couple of years before that, more heavy man, like doing way less whenever it comes to coverage stuff, like to keep it simple. Like Venables is, he's been a heavy zone guy and like that comes with obviously ups and downs. And one of the, one of the good things with playing more zone is like you you rarely get beat by scrambling quarterbacks as much or or big plays that start as underneath throws because you have like a a big net of zone defenders back there to rally to the football. Uh, but you know it if it's not played properly, it can you can be open to easy throw and catch with not much pressure on the quarterback where he can just sit there and and throw the ball if you're not good and tight underneath. So I, I don't know exactly how I would I, how I would classify them as whether or not they're going to be aggressive. I think they're going to play physical. I think they're they're going to let their defensive line go and play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So like if you want to call that aggressive, I'm with you. 
Uh, let's see if we agree with this list. We don't agree with very many. Ranking the top 10 college football coaches under the age of 45 heading into the 2022 season. So this would exclude one Brent Venables from the list. Coming in at number one, at 38 years old, Muleshoe. Yeah. 55 and 10 in five seasons at Oklahoma. Right. Um, he is ranked in front of uh, Ryan Day at number two, Matt Campbell at number three, Billy Napier at number four, Josh Heupel at number five. To round out the top ten, P.J. Fleck at six, Jason Candle at seven, Neil Brown at eight, Mike Norvell at nine, Eli Drinkowitz at uh, number ten. I would put Ryan Day in front of him. I was, I was, that was my question is – how in the world can you put Lincoln Riley ahead of Ryan Day? L- listen to this. Lincoln's 55 and 10. Ryan Day's 34 and 4. 895 winning percentage versus an 846 winning percentage. And I think we'd all agree that the Big 10 is tougher week in and week out than the Big 12 is. Plus, Ryan Day is played in a national championship game. He's actually won a semifinal game. Right. I don't I don't I, I'm with you. I don't know how Ryan Day isn't ranked number one here. Now, they both were handed programs that were uh, firing on all cylinders when they took over. So, I I don't think Lincoln Riley is the only guy under the age of 50, or what was it, 45? 45. That could have had that record at OU if they took over at the same time and under the same circumstances as Lincoln Riley. I and I would say the same thing about Ryan Day. I, I think what we've seen from Matt Campbell at Iowa State is probably just as or maybe even more impressive of a coaching job. Um, Let's see. They beat a what a good Oregon team in a Fiesta Bowl in a bowl game. Um, OU twice. They beat OU twice. They beat a TCU. What year was that? Twenty seventeen. TCU was pretty good in twenty seventeen. I feel like Iowa State had two like top ten wins that year. One against OU and one against TCU. Yeah. So I, that's coming from a program that when he took over. And not just when he took over, historically bad at football. Like that doing stuff like that is is really, really impressive. So um but you know, headlines is is what is gonna get the, the ranking there, right? Sure. Lincoln Riley's had a lot of headlines recently and just got a new job at USC, so they're gonna throw him up there. Yeah, no one wants to talk about that uh, disappointing season he had last year. It's uh, pretty amazing how how that happens. Ryan Day's season was disappointing, sure, but his Ohio State team was sure better than that one that uh, Muleshoe had last year. Um, I'll tell you the big mover on uh, this list real quick. Twenty seventeen, they had two top five top wins five wins, nice over Oklahoma and TCU. Was the TCU win on the road or is it at home? Because uh, that'd be two top five. Okay, so but one of those was on the road. Remember, they lost to number fifteen Oklahoma State at home. Remember that crazy game, and then they did beat uh, number twenty Memphis in the bowl game. So, like, that's what really got them rolling. Yeah, uh, the big mover on this list, young coaches out there, and he's at number four. So it's not like he's coming back from the pack. I I've just got this feeling that Florida's on the come up here. They've yeah. hired a huge staff. 
I really like Billy Napier. And that Florida job, man, if you can get a good coach in there, you know that he's going to recruit. It's the state of Florida, man. There's players everywhere. He's going to get talent there. I think he is a really good coach. Again, talked about that big staff. They're going to have to find a quarterback, but I think Billy Napier is going to win a lot of games and pretty quickly start pushing Georgia out there in the east. I'm, uh, a, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in him. Yeah. Uh, we got someone calling us crackheads. Are you smoking crack? There's no way the Big Ten is better than the Big 12. Uh, yes, we are smoking crack in here. That's why we are in studio today. Uh, and yes, I do think that there is a way that the Big Ten is better than the Big 12. How many Big Ten teams have played in a uh, college football semifinal? Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. State. Is there anyone else? Mm, Three no. as to just one with OU. OU being the, the only one. Right. Um, yeah. I, I didn't think that that was that hot of a take, but I guess so. No. Well, just... Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Wisconsin. I, I'm not saying that all of those teams are like just unbeatable, but like whenever you compare it to the rest of the Big Twelve, the Texas lost to Kansas. Okay, we had last year we had uh, three teams with. Double-digit wins. Um, you know, the Big Ten had, had four. Obviously, they had a, a a semifinal participant. But, like, the real, like, the middle of the Big Ten, like, smokes the middle of the Big 12. Last year, like, West Virginia was, like, right there in the middle of the Big 12. Whenever you compare them to, like, uh, like Wisconsin or a – I mean, heck, even like a Penn State like, was a middle-of-the-road team last year. Like Those two teams, routinely, West Virginia and Penn State, like, it ain't close between those two programs year in, year out, right? No, I mean, no it's come not. On. But thank you for the text, Bob Bowlesby. We appreciate that. I guess Teddy had a set. Sounds like he wasn't too thrilled about the boot camp. I know they were for the football team, but no clue what was really happening. Whole staff were drill instructors. Huh? Yeah, I think that was sent from a flip phone, but um, I think it was basically saying that heard it was hard, didn't really know how difficult it was. But, yes, that whole coaching staff was a group of drill instructors, and I've said it a bunch. Most of the coaches on that initial staff have been uh, in trouble in some form or, or another with, with player treatment. Yeah, my favorite story is, uh, Ke- yeah, yeah, Kevin Wilson. Was it Kevin? You were there when Kevin Wilson was yeah. on staff, right? Did yep. he replace Mangino? Correct. Is that who he replaced? So After y- the 01 year. Yeah, so you were already thinking that these guys were nuts. And then you were thinking, oh, poor guy. I don't know how he's going to. You know, I don't think he's how he's going to mix with this crew. And the first mixed really well. Yeah, first thing you ever heard from him was a bunch of uh, four letter words walking on the bus. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, he came to our practices for the Cotton Bowl, and I always sat at the very front of the bus uh, 
or else I'd be ridiculed by my linebacker coach. Uh, what are you for- doing sitting back there? What are you doing? You smoking crack back there? Huh? <laughs> so I'm sitting up there up front, and, and Coach Wilson comes and sits down and like says, hey, Coach Wilson, nice to meet you. And then just starts like <laughs> dropping F-bombs left and right, which at the time I was like, oh, this is my kind of guy. But I could kind of see the writing on the wall that we were um, – the. The apple wasn't falling far from the tree, I guess, so to speak, whenever it came to switching out our offensive line coaches. You guys smoke crack at work. I have to go to a DW's parking lot to smoke my rocks. Beautiful. Okay, you made a point with Texas bringing the Big 12 down. Send those sucker fish to the SEC. Good riddance. I got nervous saying that. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't had – other than Oklahoma, I guess Baylor and Oklahoma State were good teams this year, but on like a on like a real national standard, it's there's no like consistency in the Big Twelve. You can have a team that wins ten games one year and wins six the next. Like oh no, I know all that's college football, but think of the past decade, man. Um, OU's clearly been a contender, but West Virginia's had one or two years, right? Where they, mm-hmm. you know, 2018, they were a contender, right? Iowa State's had a couple here, years here recently. Kansas State, 2012, that they, they, they've been there one or two years. Oklahoma State's been kind of a mainstay as a contender, but not every year. Same thing for Baylor. God, I guess the only two teams that haven't been a contender in the past 10 years are Kansas and Texas. But everyone else, to prove your point, there's at least one or two years where they really challenge yeah. for the conference. And then the other years, they're just kind of, you know, average, just hanging out. Well, like, for instance... Since they reinstated the Big 12 championship game in what, in 16? Uh, 17. In 17. We played a different team every single year. Yep. TCU, Texas, Iowa State, Baylor, and then Oklahoma State made it this year and, and Baylor was back. There's been a new team in the championship every single year. And on, like, typically you might say, well, hey, that's good. You got uh, a bunch of different teams in the conference that are that are good. No, because two of the teams that have recently played in a Big 12 championship were 5 and 7 last year. Texas and TCU were both 5 and 7. OU Kansas State put your money on that, guys. That's uh, that's what the trend says here. Kansas State may not be a bad bet for making the uh, Big 12 championship this I'm, year. Uh, when I'm gonna If there's it. new blood going in, like well, I guess you're kind of out of options at this point, but I think Kent State could be pretty When pretty I'm looking salty at trap games team. next year, that's the one that I'm looking at in Norman. Yeah. Yep. Is that coming off of the um Yeah, that's sandwiched. Game? It's sandwiched in between the uh Nebraska and Texas game. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, could be tough. All right, quick timeout, more from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. full of anchors meant to keep you in place but the good news is that it's also full of things that remind you
Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of the of the rush. Reminder, OU baseball coming your way at 6 p.m. tonight. OU Tech in Amarillo. Amarillo, Texas, midweek neutral site game for the Sooners. Uh, 1400 AM, 99.3 FM, or the Sports Talk 1400 app in the App Store. You can catch the Sooners and the Red Raiders tonight. 24-7 Sports did a, uh, a article, 22 players to watch in 2022. Ethan Downs not only made the list, but he was listed at number nine on this list. A lot of hype for the Weatherford product out there. You buying it or not so much? Number nine? Mm-hmm. Uh, not that he's going to be the ninth best player in the sport, but, like, here's some players to watch, and he was number nine on the list. Mm, I'm okay with that, I guess. I, Doesn't sound like you just have a huge – it doesn't sound like you just have some huge takeaway that he's going to have a monster season. Um, I think it's coming. I just I, – I don't know necessarily that it's going to be this year. Uh, it, it could be. Um, but I, I don't know. Perhaps. I'm not going to take, take it away from him. I think he's going to get there. I think he's got all the tools to be – you know, an unbelievable player. I just don't know. I don't know what that necessarily means on on like this list as far sure. as like how okay. you rate that later. What, what's give? What's holding you back from it happening this year? Because he's a big kid. He works hard. He does things the right way, and that doesn't guarantee success. But it seems like worth ethic, work ethic wise, he's going to put him in the best situation. Put himself in the best situation to be a good player. But what's holding you back from thinking it might happen this year? Just experience. Right? I think he's I think he's big and I think he's strong and I think he's got a motor. But I I don't think he's like a technically proficient pass rusher yet. Which is not that shocking, right? It's those skills are, are hard to get. I think like just a lot of the the techniques and and things that you you gain from experience and and just time doing it, playing the position, like those things haven't come yet. And like there may be a point this year where he it, it all starts to click, which I would guess it probably does start to happen this year. Uh, maybe halfway point of the season, maybe a little bit later, but it just takes a while, man. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We're we've we've grown so accustomed to. Well, I don't even know if it's grown accustomed to, but we we're so demanding of a lot of these players whenever they first step on campus. Like the perfect scenario is you have a great recruiting class. We talked about how how highly ranked it is, and then we don't see any of the players on that recruiting class for two years before they start to play. Like that's the type of scenario you want. But for whatever reason, we think that whenever we have a a uh, highly rated recruiting class, like all of those guys need to be on the field next year. And they're not, they're all just not ready. And Ethan Downs is definitely going to be on the field a ton. And he's got a lot of great tools, but in order to like consider him, like a, 
like an elite level defensive end, he's got a long way to go. And that's not a bad thing. It's totally expected. Sure. Uh, by the way, we were uh, going over the top 100 running backs list. ESPN did this. Top 100 running backs over the past 60 seasons. Some former Sooners that were on the list. You had Little Joe Washington at number 56. He definitely has to be included here. Uh, Little Joe, uh, too high, too low, or dead on balls accurate for 56? I'll say dead on balls accurate. Uh, unfortunately, I was not around to be able to see a lot of uh, stuff from him. I've seen some some highlights here and there, but some of it's pretty hard to come by. But uh, I know he's definitely a favorite of mine. Number 46 for Adrian Peterson. Too high, too low, or dead on balls accurate? Um, Dead on balls accurate. 44 for Steve Owens. Heisman Trophy winner. Dead on balls accurate. Number 38 for Greg Pruitt. Um, too low. Too low? Think he's, whoa, okay. Like he should have been rated better, perhaps. Okay. Uh, last one on the list. What, five Sooners made the top 100? Booma! Billy Sims at number 14. Too high, too low. Dead on balls accurate. Um... I'll say dead on balls accurate. I don't think he should be um, rated lower. Seven yards of carry, jeez. But let me ask you, is is he – is it unanimous that he's the best running back ever at OU? No, not at all. Okay, so – No, it's not unanimous, no. So that's what I'm saying. It's hard to – it's hard to like to change some of that on these these rankings. I think you just kind of have to be – Happy with where you fall in the top 100. Yeah, like, I, every I, one of those players is amazing. I don't know if there is a position in the history of OU football where it's unanimous to where you say, yeah, this guy is the best at his position. Wide receiver, that's not the case. Quarterback, that's not the case. O-line, running back. Uh, defensive line, though, I guess. I, I think the defensive line's pretty unanimous. Leroy Selman. Yeah, that, that's, that's the one. That's probably the one, now that I think about it. And, and it would be tough to say that Roy Williams wasn't the best at his position, too. Those, those two guys. Well, no, I hear you now. I know there's other great players there. Tr- yeah. Trust me, I know. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to like even – because my knowledge of the safety position at Oklahoma starts directly with Roy Williams playing it. So it, I can't really – speak to a, a whole lot of the other guys, but um, you know, a lot of people say similar things about Ricky Dixon. Sure. So, But, yes, um, you would not find any arguments from me. Uh, snubbed on this list, DeMarco. I don't get why he wasn't in the top 100. That's that's silly to me. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan, all-time leading rusher at OU, 427 yards in a single game. That's an NCAA record. Just by that, you have to, you have to include him. Was Quentin Griffin? Even no. snubbed on this? Um, uh, not not snubbed. I don't. I don't want to talk bad about Q. It's not talking bad, but top one hundred back of all time. That's it's really hard to make that list, man. Well, not of all time, I guess. Over the last sixty years, there's so many names in there. If you ask me, would I put him in there? Yeah, sure, but. I'm heavily biased. Yeah. The the snubs, though, are P. Ryan and DeMarco Murray. That's, that's one and two. What's crazy is Perini is OU's all-time leading rusher. 
And Ron Dane has 3,000 more yards career That's rushing. Than I don't think Wisconsin <laughs> threw the ball for three years. I'm telling you. Oh, it's unreal. Unreal. All right, quick timeout. We got one more segment. Stay tuned. This hour of The Rush is brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Casino and hotel, over 2,700 electronic games, 30 game tables, a 24-7 poker room, and the best in concerts and comedy. Riverwind Casino, just south of Norman on Highway 9 and I-35. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free. 